Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS interview series. Today, my guest is Summer Rose. As a young girl, Summer jumped at the chance to organize her friend's rooms, and she still does. Her favorite thing to do was to organize her aunt's hair scrunchies, clips, and makeup, and Summer has been passionately organizing for over a decade. Due to great demand for her organizational services, Summer realized how much she could improve people's lives through these skills. And as a result, she founded the company Star Organizers. Summer currently lives and works in New York City, and she travels to organize her clients' homes all over the country. Clients have flown Summer out to 15 different states. She flies all over the place to work with her clients. Along with her organizational services comes a bonus. She's also a communications and motivational expert. She helps her clients make radical changes in their lives, not just in their closets. And we're going to talk to Summer about how she does this. We're going to talk about how she can help you organize your files on your computer. She's going to give you some strategies to do that today. Regardless of what your business is, Summer is going to deliver huge value to you in this interview. Please sit back and relax and enjoy my interview with the organizer par excellence, Summer Rose. Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS interview series. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and today we are talking to Summer Rose, and Summer is going to help us get more organized, and if we have some time at the end, she's going to share some of her secrets for influencing people and getting people to do things that she needs them to do to keep their lives organized with the power of her words. That's a little tease, and I'm going to share that with you toward the end of our time together today. I'm going to actually ask Summer to share that with you. So, Summer, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Dave. All right, so let's talk about you and how you got into the organization business. How did you get started helping people organize their lives, their homes, everything about them? As a young girl, I always loved it. It was one of my favorite fun activities to do. I would go over to my aunt's place and organize her hair scrunchies. I would organize her makeup, everything in her bathroom. I'd organize my friends' parents' garages and their kitchens and their bedrooms and playrooms. And it was just fun for me. I thought it was a game. I really enjoyed it. And so people told me when I was in middle school, this is something that people would actually pay for and you should turn this into a business. So I decided to do that. All right. Tell us what your approach is like. Start with the different things you organize. Obviously, if I, you know, if I've gone, gone to your website or if our listeners or viewers go to the website, they can see closets and houses and all that stuff, right? Um, give, us the, give us the rundown on different things you've organized for people over the years. I do everything from closets, large walk-in closets, to very tiny closets in studio apartments, to bedrooms, bathrooms, drawers, cabinets, kitchens, kids' rooms, offices. And then within the office, there's digital files, so everything on your computer, from photos to documents, work files, personal files, you name it. If they need all of their physical paper files, to be decluttered and then scanned, digitized, labeled, 
thrown in folders, subfolders. We can do digital organization. I can also do garages, um, attics, basements, uh, your car, whatever space has too much clutter and you want it to be organized, more efficient or decluttered, we can tackle it. Oh, wow. All right. So, uh, so many different questions to ask about this. Let's start with the digital files and the computers. What do you do? Like if you were to look at my desktop right now and I, I can share it with you, but I'm not going to, if you were to look at the desktop of my computer right now, I think it's organized and there's like 30 things sitting out there. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I know that. So how do you go and organize what's your what's your uh approach to organizing computer files do you do you have a standard like convention that you use all right tell us about it so i think folders are the best way to organize all of your documents on your computer so most people have way too many documents either saved directly to their desktop directly to their documents folder or directly into their downloads folder because a lot of things automatically get saved there when you download it from the internet or from an email so the best thing to do is to be constantly moving those files from those three places into the proper folders and subfolders and sub subfolders. So it's all about figuring out how to categorize the documents that you have on your computer. So you could have a few main levels of personal, professional, yourself, or maybe you have a folder for each family member. It depends on if it's a joint computer or if it's your personal computer. If it's your personal one, then maybe you have a folder that's personal and then within that you have your family and then within that you have a folder for each member. You can also categorize things. I, I ask people how they think about when they're going to look for this information later, where are they going to look? So you want to name documents accordingly. So if you're going to search for this file later and you're going to look for budget, then you want to name it budget. If you're going to look for finance, you're going to name it finance. If you're going to look for money document, it's going to be called money. So whatever word is going to pop into your head because it doesn't matter what I would call it because I'm not the one searching for this document later, you are. So the same thing with something like insurance. Some people want to have a folder called insurance, and then within their insurance folder, they'll have house, car, health, etc., all the different types of insurance they have. And other people, they want to have separate folders for health, and then within that folder, they have an insurance folder, and then they have their health insurance inside there. They have their doctor's contacts or maybe... Um, exam results that they've received from a doctor that would all be within this health folder and then they have a separate car folder where they have their lease and they have their car insurance and whatever pertains to the car so it depends on how you want to chunk it in your mind what's going to be the easiest way for you to find it later okay so when you go to somebody's home or office and they say I need you to help me organize my files do you sit down at the computer and you say, all right, what is this one? And then the person tells you and then you figure out where to move it to. OK, so I would I would imagine you could probably even do that virtually, right? They can have a like a log me in. Yes, I had a client where I did this virtually with her yesterday. Actually, we were going wow. 
lot of her files. She was scanning them on her own. Some clients have me go to their home and scan for them. Some clients will ship me all of their files and say, here's a bunch of file boxes, scan everything, you name it, you put it in folders and then shred whatever is confidential and then send me back the files. Some people will give me a login to their Dropbox or their G Drive or their iCloud or wherever they store their files, their internal company server, and I can just go in and digitally move things around. So with technology, it's pretty great that I can work with somebody on the other side of the world and they don't need to be sitting next to me. Uh, have you ever done like really big projects for big companies where they said, hey, we've got all our files like a law firm. We got all our files all over the place. So I worked with a company that had a lot of different doctor's offices. So for this company, they owned many doctor's offices across several states. So we had to organize all of the different files and papers that they had pertaining to those offices. Now, I did not have all of their client and patient information because of HIPAA laws. They did not give me any of that stuff. But the things that I was organizing was more like all of their leases for the different offices that they were renting in different states. And then they had other personal documents and they had other documents like hiring documents for the different people that worked for their offices, maybe their um, front desk girl, and they had all of that person's information. So I did not have access to all of the health or HIPAA information, but it was more all of the documents for their business. Another furniture company that had a lot of furniture stores across the country, they had everything from photos to files, marketing assets, notes from meetings, uh, different, financial reports, all kinds of stuff. And it was all in one big drive and it was a mess. Things were not labeled properly. So I went in there and they even had personal photos from random people who worked there, just had all their personal kids' birthday party photos mixed in with all of the business documents. So I went in to their internal company server and I logged in and I was able to move things around, create folders and files and organize it all and make it make sense. So what do you do with like pictures and stuff? So pe people have to tell you, okay, that's Aunt Jill. This is Uncle Frank. And then once you know who they are, then you go in and find all the pictures and then put the names with the pictures and stuff. So it depends how they want it organized. So if they were digital pictures to begin with, then they oftentimes have a date and time stamp. So I can use the date and time stamp to organize the photos. So if I see that 50 pictures look like they're from the same birthday party with people in the same location wearing the same types of clothes, there's a birthday cake that says happy ninth birthday Johnny, then I'm pretty comfortable in labeling that file Johnny's ninth birthday 2004. So I can do that because I have all the information I need. Now if they're scanned photos, that's a little bit different because they could be from all different eras, different right. And that's a little more complicated. So sometimes I'll have the person go through the photos with me or I can label it something else like miscellaneous old scanned photos, something like that. I can try to see if, if I'm the one scanning it or if I'm working with somebody who specializes in photo scanning and archiving, which I have that person as well, then we can look maybe there's a date on the back of the photo sometimes and we can label it that way. Ah, okay. All right. So let's talk about office projects. How do you help people 
with it with your with the organization of their offices is it uh is it just physical files or do you do you help them with workflow and how do you help them yeah, we can definitely talk about workflow and figure out what's going to be best for them if they have an assistant or a team of people or if they're working by themselves. We want to make sure that we're finding a system that's going to work and be most efficient for what they're comfortable with, that's going to get them the most productive results, and that's going to set their team up to win. Okay, so let's talk about um, how you uh, how you help them with that type of structure? Do you even get involved in what they do and when they do it at specific times? Or is it just more from a, all right, for workflow purposes, it would be better if this person was here and this person was there? So sometimes it's about where they're sitting in the office, but most of the time it's about how they're communicating with one another. So uh -huh. how communicating the tasks that they need done and the time frame in which they need to complete them and the method in which they need to complete them and figuring out what's going to be the most efficient or effective or way that everybody's going to appreciate the most. So do you want somebody to turn around and say, hey, I need this thing? Or do you want them to send you an email? Do you want them to send you a G chat or an IM or a text message? What's the most efficient way? Do you want them to save all of the things they need to talk to you about for a daily meeting or a weekly meeting? Do you want to get bombarded constantly? What types of tasks do you want them to ask you before completing? What types of things do they have the authority to just go ahead and do? Okay, so what are some of the tools that you use when you organize people, when you try to get them to be uh, more efficient and effective? What, what are you using these days that helps people? So I would say anything that people can delegate is really great. And a lot of times that's challenging for people to let go of the outcome, let go of the project, let go of that task, doing it themselves. I know I've even felt that as an entrepreneur. There are things that I don't want to delegate because I know I can do it better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. Somebody else can do it almost just as well as I can, then it's oftentimes worth delegating because then I can use my time, which is the most precious thing we have in life. I can use that time to be putting it towards something else that's going to generate even more for my business or that's going to help my clients even more. So if I can delegate something like marketing or if I can delegate uh, invoicing or something else, then it's more efficient. It's a better use of my time to do that. So I'll help people find virtual assistance, whether it's through friends, companies of mine or different people that I know who do certain tasks. Like I have great copywriters, I have great marketing people, great social media people that I can refer to that I've built up through my network, or I'll help them go on Upwork or Fiverr and find somebody who can do this task. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about your network, because I understand through my extensive research that you are a fantastic networker. Talk to me a little bit about how you've built up your network over the years. What have you done to grow your network? Sure. So... I do a lot of things to grow my network. In New York, I'm a member of several different networking groups, including BNI, which is Business Network International. I'm also a member of the Chamber of Commerce, and there are a lot of other groups that I visit very frequently as well. I think that networking is one of the most powerful sales tools, and 
also for friendship. I've met some of my closest friends and the people I spend most of my time with through my networking group. I've also doubled my business in a year just solely through referrals from my networking group. And my business continues to increase in dollar amount and in size just through networking. So my secrets to networking are really adding value to the other people in the group. So people want to do business with whom they know, like, and trust. And when you add value to them, they like you more, they trust you more, and they want to do business with you. And so a lot of these networking groups, we either meet weekly or we meet bi-weekly. And then sometimes even more than weekly, we have additional happy hours or meetings, one-to-one coffee dates with people. And we really get to know them. I want to get to know every person with whom I'm speaking on such a deep level that I know everything about them from their wife to their kids to what they all do for a living, where they live, where they're from. I want to know what organizations are they a part of? What else are they involved in? How can I get involved? How can I contribute to causes that are important to them? How can I serve them? Who can I connect them to? Who can I refer them to? Who would be a good referral partner for them? So I'm not just feeding them a fish, but I'm teaching them how to fish and giving them somebody who's going to give them a lot of fish. And how can I really connect them? How can I support them? I'd say some of my keys to networking are also in handwritten cards. I write thousands of handwritten cards a year, personally. I write Christmas and Hanukkah cards, Mother's Day cards, Rosh Hashanah cards, birthday cards to most people, and I'm constantly sending out cards. And I've gotten a lot of business from this because sometimes an old client, or maybe they were just a prospect or a connection that I met at a networking meeting once, I'll send them a holiday card. And oftentimes it's for a holiday that is something like Rosh Hashanah, where most people aren't getting Rosh Hashanah cards. A lot of people get Christmas cards, but most people aren't getting Rosh Hashanah cards, or at least they're not getting as many as they do for Christmas or Hanukkah. So I'll send them a card. It will make them think of me, and then they call me, and maybe they say, oh, actually, can you come over and help me with this project? Or, oh, I just remembered you, and I want to refer you to this other school mom that I was talking to. She needs help with her kid's bedroom too. So that's a really great way to stay connected. And it makes me feel good that I get to make somebody else feel good. And I'm not just sending a card that I bought from a store that has a nice message in it. I'm personalizing every card and filling the whole inside of it with things that remind me of that person, things I want to share with them, things I'm grateful for them, great qualities about themselves, because people like people that make them feel good with all these groups that you belong to how do you manage your own time how do you how do you determine you know whether you're going to do a one-on-one meeting with someone or like if you're constantly reaching out to people and introducing them to somebody else that takes a lot of time so how do you organize your own time what are some of the tricks you use to keep yourself on track Sure. So one thing I do when I'm referring somebody to somebody else is I often have a little blurb that I use every time I refer that person. So I have this one friend who has a company and I have maybe five sentences about her and her company. And I've referred her to 50 people over the last couple years because I really believe in what she does and I think she's phenomenal at it 
and there are so many great connections for her and they can be great connections for one another. So instead of me retyping that entire email each time, I have it saved where I can just copy and paste and change the names and then copy and paste the other little blurb for this new person I just met that I want to connect her with. And so saving these little blurbs about people is going to save you a lot of time so you don't have to recreate it and rewrite it every time. Perfect. I love it. That's a great idea. And how do you uh, how do you figure out who you want to spend your time with? Because I know I used to do a lot of networking as well before I started traveling. And these days I'm not going out anywhere, obviously. But before I started traveling a lot, I used to do a lot of networking. And for me, it was always a challenge to figure out who to spend the time with. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day and you're only going to work maybe eight hours a day and you're only going to want to spend maybe four of those hours doing some sort of networking because you have to drive to the place or walk to the place or take public transportation to the place and then you got to get home. So how do you determine who you want to invest your time with? So one thing is to reduce the amount of time traveling to go to networking things is I will have a lot of people come to me. I have a co-working space in my building. So I just take an elevator downstairs and obviously not right now. Uh, I'm not meeting with people in person, but, uh, Usually I'll just have people meet with me at my building so it can be back-to-back meetings So it saves a lot of time for me in terms of travel time Oftentimes I'll also schedule phone calls or zoom calls with people because they can just be more efficient and quicker Now if it's somebody that I know is going to hopefully be a very strong referral partner for me Then I will go out of my way to meet with them So for my business my best referral partners are real estate brokers interior designers and estate attorneys So if you're one of those three professions I'm gonna go schlep across the city and meet with you at your convenience because I know that we can work together And I know that you're going to hopefully send me a lot of business. I'm going to send you a lot of business. I'm going to connect you with a lot of great people. And I hope that you refer me to your clients as well. So I think it's thinking about who is this person. And every connection that you meet can be a really great connection. So I would say never discount a person just because of what they look like or what you think you know about them or quick snap judgments you're making or because you think, oh, they're in some profession that is so far from mine that that is not somebody I want to talk to because you never know who their brother is. You don't know who they're married to. You don't know who their uncle could be. You don't know anything about them. You don't know who their best friend could be. Maybe their best friend is the person who's going to give you your biggest client of your life. And so I would say I'll definitely always connect with each person, especially at a networking meeting. It's a great opportunity when you know you've already carved out that time to have that meeting. So you're already there for two hours. There's 50 people in the room. Talk to every person, hit every person and get to know them. You can also research people ahead of time, especially if you know who's going to be at that meeting. A great tool I like to use is called BendWimp. Are you familiar with it? No, no. How do you spell that? B-E-N-D-W-I-M-P. Okay. It's an acronym. So this is a tool where you can research information about a person, whether it's somebody that you're going to network with or the best way to use it is for a prospective client. So 
it's a way on how you can learn how to influence somebody and you learn what influences them the most and then you can use that information in order to influence them and either close your deal, book a client, or get connected with whomever you want to be connected with. Build your Wow. So you get the information through Google, social media, and other online ways. You can so I'll I'll run through what each one stands for. So B is for beliefs. You want to find out what do they believe? What do they believe about you? What do they believe about your industry, about the world, about the current climate? What do they believe about your ability to solve their problem or to have their problem solved at all or not? You want to know how do they evaluate things? Uh, you want to know the N is for what are their needs? So what do they need in terms of Tony Robbins' six human needs? So mm -hmm. there's uncertainty, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. So you want to learn what are their top needs. The D is for desire. What do they desire? What do they really want in life? What are their goals? What are their outcomes? What are they looking to achieve? And the W is for wounds. So what are their wounds? You want to know what experiences in the past have caused them pain. So sometimes you want to use this as leverage, and sometimes you want to know their wounds so you can avoid these topics. And the I is for influences. You want to know what influences them. Are they influenced more internally? Are they influenced more externally? Are they influenced by social media, by the news, by their friends, parents, teachers, people they look up to, what influences them, what media outlets influence them, what books influence them, speakers, people. And the M is for mentors. Who are their mentors? Who do they learn from? Who do they look up to? A lot of times their mentors are going to be people who their belief, they get their beliefs from and they get a lot of their values from. So by studying their mentors, you can learn a lot about this person. And the P is proud. What are they proud of personally and professionally? Are they proud of their company, their uh, clients, how they've helped people? Are they proud of their kids? Are they proud of their kids' sports achievements? Are they proud of their own achievements from when they were younger or from presently? So knowing all of these things, you can look up online on social media. You can look around their office. You can see if they have a picture of their son with a trophy. Mm, soccer ball. You know that that's probably something they're proud of. If they've got a lot of pictures of their family, that's something they're probably proud of. If they have pictures of when they were a child wrestling with a big trophy, then they're proud of one of their childhood achievements. And if they are receiving a lot of business awards, if they've got a lot of certificates all on their walls, then that's something they're probably proud of whatever mm -hmm. school they attended and what achievements and what degrees they received. And so you can use all of these things in order to influence somebody and to build rapport with them. You can also watch all of their online videos, any blogs they've written, TED Talks they've done. You can see who they've commented on on social media. You can see who they follow on social media. Maybe they don't post a lot, but they follow a bunch of people. You can learn from that. You can see uh, what companies they're interacting with. You can sometimes, if they're a larger company, then their personal social media may differ from their business social media because maybe they hire somebody else to do their business social media. So that's one thing to be conscious of, that it mm -hmm. may 
directly their beliefs. It could be their company's beliefs, if that's what you're following. But this is a really great tool to learn how to influence somebody. So before you go into a very big business meeting, I definitely recommend people to go and do their homework and do their bend with and do their research. Awesome. I love it. That is fantastic. So using the acronym BENDWIMP, you can then go through and do your research on someone so that you're prepared when you go to meet with them. One of the things that I teach my clients all the time is to pick out who they want to work with, what company they want to work with, and then decide or look up who the ideal person is in the company to bring them in, to hire them. And they can use your Ben Wimp technique then to do all their research on that person to create great marketing copy perhaps, or to you know uh, figure out how to strike up a conversation if they ever sit down with them. Uh, I love it. That is fantastic. That that tip alone was worth the time that people have invested in the interview. So I thank you for that. Talk to me a little bit about what you do, what research you do before you go out and decide which organizations to join. Because you mentioned BNI and uh, my listeners and the people who uh, watch the show all the time know I'm a big fan of BNI. I was in BNI for a number of years before my business became uh, more national where I had to travel. I love I love that organization because of the structure of it. Um, but with chambers of commerce or other types of groups, how do people know which group is going to be productive for them and which group is probably not going to be the best group for them to invest their time in? A lot of it is just visiting groups and experimenting and seeing how they are. Sometimes you don't know until you arrive somewhere. You want to look at who's in the room, who's there, and then connect with those people, see what kind of feeling you get. A lot of it is about the feeling you get with this group. And you have to think, is this the type of group of people that I want to spend the majority of my time with? Are these the people I want to network with? Do I see potential value here? Are these the people, first of all, do I believe in their services? Because if the group is full of a bunch of people who you would never hire and you would never recommend, then that's not the group for you to join. You need to join a group where you believe that all of these professionals are capable and uh, great professionals and people that you would recommend to your best friend for her business or his business. So if they're people you wouldn't hire or refer, then that's not the group. If they're people that you don't really like personally and you don't want to spend time with, then that's probably not the group for you either. And you want to look at who are your typical best referral partners for your industry. So if your industry uh, say you're selling title insurance and there are no real estate people in this group, then that might not be the best group for you unless you want to bring real estate people into that group and build up the group and take on the initiative yourself to grow that group. Instead, you want to find a group that has all of these professions that you know are going to help you and people that you know you can help as well. I love it. Great criteria. That's fantastic. Would you ever consider helping people do research on groups that they could join? Would you? Would that be a service that you would consider offering to people? Because I think that would be a, a phenomenally valuable service. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many different types of networking groups, especially in New York City. And I mean, there are networking groups in every city in the world, but especially in New York, there are such an abundance 
of people who want to network and there are so many different types of organizations and some people want to meet in the morning some people want to meet in the evening so you have to figure out what's going to work best for your schedule some groups are more strict on their policies like BNI and they keep track of everything and they measure everything which is great because it holds people accountable and there are other groups that they just drink wine and hang out and they pass business and that works for some people too. So you have to know what can you really commit to in terms of time and energy and effort you're going to put into the group and what are you looking for? Do you want something that's weekly or monthly or every once in a while? Yeah, perfect. I love it. How do you, uh, how do you charge for your services, for your organizing services or for you know, a project like the one I just outlined for you where I would say, hey, listen, I'm moving to a new city. I need you to do some research on networking groups for me to determine which is the best for me to join. How do you charge for your services? What are your, what are your fees like? So it's hourly and depending on where the project is, if it's not a virtual project, then I'll set a minimum number of hours. So if you're in Manhattan, then it's usually going to be five or six hour minimum and at a time. Uh, if you're outside of the city, then it'll be larger. If I need to fly across the country or to a different country, then it's going to be a much bigger minimum of hours. Oh, okay. All right, great. And how uh, how do you uh, work with people now during the, the, the time that we're recording this? This is kind of the coronavirus era where we're doing everything virtually these days. So tell me about your business and how you've shifted your business from the services you provide to your client attraction systems for a virtual world these days. So now all of my networking groups are meeting via Zoom. So we're meeting each week still, but we meet online. So that's been a really cool opportunity because we get to invite people to these networking groups who live in other cities and other states who normally wouldn't be able to join our meeting. So I think that that's been really awesome and a great opportunity for us. And I love that we have technology and we have the ability to stay flexible and still keep our networking group alive. In terms of working with clients, a uh, few different things. So now I'm typically not going to somebody's home right now and organizing their closet. However, a lot of people do have to move because their lease is up or they sold their apartment and they closed and they need to get out of there. So sometimes these people are in the city and they need help managing their move. So I can manage their move from afar, help them coordinate the movers, help them figure out how much packing supplies they need and what to get and how to do it. And if they're not there, then I can go over to their home if they're in the city. And I had a client a couple weeks ago where she hadn't been in her home for a month because she was across the country and she needed me to go pack up all of her stuff. And we FaceTimed and determined what she was going to keep, what she wasn't. And then I FedExed her all of the clothes she wanted to keep and then got rid of all of the stuff she didn't want, anything from the kitchen or from the living room or just garbage or clothes she didn't want anymore. We got rid of all of that and I could clear out her apartment because her lease was up. So if people are looking to move right now, I have another family who's stuck in California. They were out there before all of this hit and now they don't feel comfortable getting on an airplane, understandably, and they're moving. So I'm going over there when the movers come and I'll manage the move, let them in, oversee it, supervise it, and then I'll unpack all of their boxes in their new home 
So when they arrive in a month or two, whenever they feel comfortable to fly again, their whole new home is fresh and set up. I love it. Actually, now that I think about it, even if people are home, you could probably go over there. I mean, you could you could just go get a test that day and say, listen, I got tested. I'm good. You know, as long as you guys got tested or if you if you're going to go out while I'm here, you know that anything I touch is going to be fine. I mean, your business can still operate in these times. It's It's really not that hard. Yeah. And I can do a lot of virtual organizing with people as well. So just like that other woman that I worked with, we had to do it virtually because she wasn't here. But sometimes even if they live down the street and they're not comfortable with having company over, we can still try on things and go through their closet and go through their kitchen and figure out what they need to keep and what they don't want anymore. And I can do that via Zoom or FaceTime. All right, let's take the the next few minutes and let's talk about what I teased at the beginning of our time together. Tell folks what neuro-linguistic programming is and give us a couple of examples and tell us how you use it in your day-to-day. So neuro-linguistic programming, or known as NLP, is how you use language to get the results you want. So it's using your words to get whatever outcome you're looking for. So there are a lot of great techniques and tools that I've learned from NLP that help me work with my clients. So people always say, when your client works with you, do they need to call you again next week to come and do their closet again? And the answer is no, because one, I'm not a housekeeper. So I'm not somebody that you're having come and clean your kitchen every week or clean your floors. That's not what I do. While I'm there, if we're organizing a cabinet and we see that something spilled in the cabinet, absolutely, I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to scrub it before we put anything back. If we're doing your closet, we take everything out. If it's dusty on the floor of the closet, I'm going to clean that away before we put everything back into the closet. But I'm not the person you call to regularly come and dust or mop your floors. So my clients don't need to call me again once we've organized their place because now they have strategies on what to do with all of their stuff and where it goes. So most people don't clean up because they don't know where to put stuff. So everything piles up in a corner or on a counter or in a pile on a chair because they don't know what to do with this item. So I make sure that we have a home for every single thing and they know where it goes and that everybody in the household also knows where it belongs so that they can put it back there. And then I can use different NLP techniques to help them maintain that strategy. So instead of coming home and throwing their coat on the couch and kicking their shoes off and a pile by the door, we can use language to rewire their brain so that now the shoes go on the shoe rack, the coat goes in the coat closet, and they're putting things back where they belong when they walk into the house. Give me an example of how you would do something like that. So there's a technique in NLP called chaining anchors. So we can use this strategy to rewire how your mind thinks to do something. So if we wanted to start with originally you come home, you have a strategy for something, you come home and you're throwing things on the floor. So now we're going to use this technique to change that wiring. So instead of throwing it on the floor, you're going to know to hang it up. So um, that's something that I'll do with my clients. We can do that. And we can also uh, put in different strategies in place. So they're rewarding 
their spouse or their children for doing that or putting rules and boundaries around it. So I was working with this family with a young kid and the kid would just leave his toys all over the place and he would go to bed and the next day he would wake up and throw more toys all over the place and it would always be a disaster in the living room. So we turned it into a game and we figured out how are we going to reward him and how are we going to make it fun for him to be able to put away all of his toys. So we created different systems and drawers and like this one will have a picture of a truck on it. That's where all your trucks go. This has a picture of sports on it. That's where all your sports stuff go. And then we'd say, okay, Johnny, before we go take a bath tonight and go to bed, we're going to play a game. We're going to see who can clean up the fastest. How quickly can you put away all of your toys? And so we're using NLP and that we're using uh, we're rewarding the behavior that we want to see. We're turning it into a game. We're using language uh, instead of saying, okay, so now it's time to clean up. He's going to say, no, I hate clean up. I don't want to clean up. But if you say we're going to play a game and we're going to treat this as a game and a competition, now he's all in. He's a boy. He, he likes games. He wants to win. So by using that change of language, we can affect a different result that we want. Fantastic. I love it. That's great. All right, Summer. So if the people who are listening or watching want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to get in touch with you? They can reach me on my website at starorganizers.com or they can email me at summer at starorganizers.com. Perfect. All right. All that information, including the Bend Wimp acronym, are, is going to be in the show notes. Summer Rose, it's been a pleasure having you with us today. You gave us some great tips, some great advice for organizing, for using language to influence people around the house, and also for doing research and figuring out what people are interested in, what motivates them so that we can connect with them and grow our business. Summer, it's been great having you with us. Thanks for joining us today. It was great talking to you today. All right, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS interview series here on the Do This Sell More show. We will see you right back here again tomorrow for another edition of our show. Until then, please stay healthy, stay well, and stay strong. <laughs>